Hello and welcome to the Sundance Shortcast. I'm Lisa Ogby, short film programmer, and I'm here with Carlin Mayman, director of The Rat. Thanks for coming to the festival. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we start this with the same question every time. How would you describe your film to someone who hasn't seen it? Sure. Um, so The Rat is a short horror film um, that takes place in a haunted house. It's about a young couple. It's Halloween night. They're getting ready to go to a frat party. And the guy takes his girlfriend to this house to kind of fool around. Um, and basically, once they get their things, go topsy-turvy, as they are wont to do in a haunted house. Um, and the film really becomes about what women really fear in real life and how men can inspire that fear both on purpose and without knowing what they're doing. Yeah, no, I know. I, what I really like is you take an everyday situation that women deal with all the time and show like how quickly it can become terrifying. Um, can you talk about your choice to sort of frame that within the context of genre? Sure. Um, so I've been working in the horror genre for a little bit now. Um, I'm also working on a horror feature um, called Strawberry Summer. Um, that's a this is a companion piece to that feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I grew up a very like sensitive person and media uh, intaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I really couldn't handle violence or like anything, like anything, anything wow. um, <laughs> for a really long time. Uh-huh. Um, and it wasn't until I, as in film school um, at Wesleyan, I. My junior year, I needed to fill in my schedule, and there was a horror film class at 9.30 a.m., um, and I was like, okay, Jesus Christ, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, like, take a risk. I'm going to, like, right. try, like, see what's up with this thing I really usually can't stand. Um, and, like, very quickly, it really clicked for me. What um, do you think it was that made the turn for you? So I think a lot of that class was really um, framed around how – Horror films historically have been a like really wonderful tool for the filmmakers who choose to use it in this way of um, putting forward progressive messages, um, addressing social social issues um, in ways that got around censorship, um, legal censorship in you know in Hollywood mm-hmm. and cultural censorship as well. Up to like today, you really see that. I mean, I think like Get Out is comes from like a long tradition mm-hmm. of horror films that take on issues. Um, and use these elements of like shock and entertainment that people gravitate towards, not me, but me now, <laughs> um, that people really gravitate towards to like express these issues in a way that kind of, when you're thinking about them in a different way and when you're in this like vulnerable position of being afraid, mm-hmm. you kind of just reconceptualize um, these issues. So it's, you know, often gender, race, um, sex and sexuality, um, just a lot of a lot of like really important cultural issues that it can be really hard to express in film mm-hmm. have been expressed really well throughout horror um and i did always know as a filmmaker that um you know i felt important to me to make films that had something to say um about the world we live in um and mm-hmm. what i think should be changed about that world um and i also you know i want to make things that entertain people um mm-hmm. I want, you know, I want to, like, be able to have fun within the medium um, because there is so much fun to be had. Yeah. And so, you know, learning all this about horror, it sort of mm-hmm. started to make sense, um, you know, when I started to work on my own things and have these ideas of messages I wanted to convey mm-hmm. to convey them through horror. Um, and so that's kind of how 
that came to be. Right. And so now that you're a horror convert, do you, <laughs> do you have any sort of filmmakers that you look to or influences that you draw from for your film? Totally. Um, so a big one for me is Val Luton, um, mm-hmm. who was a producer in the 40s um, in this kind of producer auteur, which is a thing we don't see too much, especially right. now, but was more, especially in horror, a bigger deal um, mm-hmm. back then who produced films like Cat People and The Seventh Victim. Um, They were incredibly progressive, incredibly low budget, but like really psychological and moody. Um, So Cat People is like this kind of allegory about a woman being afraid of her sexuality that um, Mm -hmm. people often interpret about being about homosexuality in the 40s when that was very hard to convey. Um, The Seventh Victim really touches on mental health in a way that it was not touched on until much later Mm -hmm. um, in film history and is actually the first Hollywood film to end in a suicide, which is like, you know, it's just that's a really interesting thing to me is just the things you can get away with Uh in horror. And his films are just wonderful because they really, watching them today, they feel so real. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're scary, but they feel so real. Um, They're so far removed from like, creature features of the time Mm -hmm. um so I really I looked at him a lot for visuals as well um and then I'm also really inspired by this tradition in the late 60s and early 70s um of kind of this mixture of mainstream horror which was very much a thing at the time um with European art film which was really having a moment Mm -hmm. in U.S. culture um so that's when we get films like The Exorcist like The Shining um like Rosemary's Baby which are like people are everyone who makes horror now I think is pulling on still um because they're these really like provocative films that put horror into this very domestic sphere Mm -hmm. so you take like you know a new marriage or like a you know single mother raising her child um these setups that are not inherently horrific Mm -hmm. and then you just like in, like put horror into every part of them um right. so that's there's a lot of films in the mainly in the 70s mm-hmm. that i love um visually i love i love zooms right. um, so the era <laughs> of the zoom mm-hmm. um and then i really have been so inspired by the recent wave of art horror i think it's really kind of coming from a similar place um as these 70 films 70s mm-hmm. films but like the babadook it follows oh, yeah. get out obviously mm-hmm. um are just like these really awesome films. Um, Hereditary, right? It's really did it for me. Um, <laughs> these really awesome films that are putting like you know powerful filmmaking into horror and um, taking on like really intense emotions and cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's you know I think it's just like there's a there's been these trends kind of ebb and flow throughout horror mm-hmm. um, that are really inspiring to me and I, I like to take from. That's great. And your characters in your film, Renee and Jim, um, I think it's really interesting how they have very different perceptions of what happens. And and although like some things that are somewhat questionable happen, we don't necessarily see Jim as a villain. Can you talk about developing the characters? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was really important to me that he not be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, can I curse? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Curse it up. <laughs> um, that he not be a straight asshole. Uh-huh. I think that like, there, you know, it could have been really easy to take that route. Um, mm-hmm. But what I wanted to convey here was this, like, idea that, um, you know, these straight white says men who have so much power handed to them can lose sight of 
the emotions of others mm-hmm. really easily. So I think that this character does what he does from a place of like, this would be funny. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that I can do that'll be funny. And she'll think that fu- this is funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, he doesn't, he legitimately doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. And that in a way is scarier to me mm-hmm. in the context of this particular film mm-hmm. than if he was, um, you know, if Renee's boyfriend was like terrorizing her for the sake of, for, you know, for sadism, for the sake of terrorizing yeah. her. He terrorizes her, terrorizes her and traumatizes her from a place of legitimately not thinking that that is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's just like such a, a nefarious thing in the, like I, I, you know, what I've kind of been saying is that I think this is something that's happened to her that she will remember forever and will like reflect on forever and he'll probably forget it very soon mm-hmm. um, because there's just this, this power he has to not ever have to think about how he affects her and her emotions and her body and her autonomy mm-hmm. um, and her trust. Um, so yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted this to be a kind of, um, I wanted people to really like have to think about right. why he does do this shitty thing he does mm-hmm. if he's not like a huge asshole to start mm-hmm. with and he does something that clearly we can see is shitty, but why does he do it? And that's right. just because he's not thinking. Mm-hmm. And the house is really great where that that takes place. Can you talk about finding that location and where you shot it? Yeah, totally. Um, so we did shoot the whole film in New York City mm-hmm. um, because that is where most of my crew lives. Nice. Um, and we did not have the budget to go right. elsewhere. But it was written in like a suburban college. Uh-huh. So we spent so much time finding locations that didn't look like they were in the city. Right. And the house was the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, I'd written the script was ready to go and kind of after it was really too late to change anything people kept being like it is really hard to find a house like this like <laughs> are you sure this is what you want to do and I'm like well yes mm-hmm. thank you though so we searched for ages mm-hmm. um we looked at so many houses um because we needed an exterior interior and an exterior mm-hmm. there were so many things we needed right. um we looked for ages and so finally um my producer, Beck, stumbled upon this listing mm-hmm. for the Kreischer Mansion in mm-hmm. Staten Island. It's uh-huh. deep, deep in Staten Island. Um, it's this, like, huge, gorgeous Victorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to scout um, a little later on this rainy, rainy day. I had to take, like, four buses. Like, <laughs> the ferry and then four buses. I'd never oh been gosh. to Staten Island before. Uh-huh. But we get to this house and walk up to it, and I'm just like, well, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um and so we go inside, we do the tour, and find out then that there are legitimate ghost stories Whoa. attached to this yeah. house. Yeah. Um, one from, like, the early 1900s, I believe, mm-hmm. and one a little more recently. Did you guys experience any ghosts? Um, I didn't. <laughs> I think we were, you know, some of my more superstitious crew members right. were pretty spooked. Right. What I was kind of thinking was going to happen was we were going to find, like, a hidden track right. on our on our, um, yeah. our sound recording. <laughs> some, like, whisper throughout. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we shot an overnight there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really crazy, but it's... A gorgeous house. Right. A lot of, you know, scouting it. I, mm-hmm. like, saw so many details. I was like, this is, has to be in the film. Like, mm-hmm. the, um, the, like, huge crystal chandeliers. Mm-hmm. There's this, like, metallic-y wallpaper. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many incredible details that, like, really inspired me. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, um, creating shot lists and stuff. Um, yeah, it's a fabulous house if anyone's 
ever trying to shoot in a haunted house. (laughs) I won't tell you not to do it because it's a blast, (laughs) but check out the Kreischer Mansion. And music is so important, I think, in any horror film. And the music in your film is great. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. um, So we're super lucky that we got to work with Told Slant. Um, It's one of my, like, favorite musicians um, who – so. Beck has played with them um, in her bands in the past, and you know they hit it off, became friends. Um, and she hit uh, Felix Told Slant up. Um, was like, "Do you want to score a thing?" Yeah. Um, and they agreed, and I was just overjoyed. Um, awesome. So happy. I think um, you know what what Beck saw was that um, she saw kind of a similar quality in our work. I think of kind mm-hmm. of like. Um, sadness and yearning and mm-hmm. like uh it's kind of just like a emotive earnest um you know mm-hmm. cre- creating right. um so um yeah they were an absolute pleasure to work with um my favorite story is about um the song and the party scene yeah, yeah. which is just my new favorite song it's um, great yeah. it's god um, so basically <laughs> it was like we need aside from our score we need the song um and I sent them, like, New Order, The Cure, kind of was like, I want this, like, moody 80s party song. Um, and so we were actually, our production schedule was really tight. We were actually starting to work on the score mm-hmm. before we shot. Um, so a week or two before um, we were ready to go into production, Felix sends me the first draft of the song, and I listen to it, and I'm like, holy shit, this is perfect. And I listen to it again, and I'm like, this is perfect. I don't have any notes. Wow. And I listened to it, like, two or three more times, yeah. and I was like, I got nothing. I, like, <laughs> I sent it to my producers, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Right. So the version in the film is the first version That's of the song. amazing. Yeah. That's I, great. like, I am so overjoyed, and yeah. I'm also just like, God, imagine making something and not getting any notes. <laughs> right. Like, that's just a testament <laughs> to how incredibly talented they right. are. Um. Yeah, it was like it was a blast to work with them. Right. And you mentioned that this short, the rat, is a companion piece to a feature. Is it based on the same characters, the feature, or something somewhat different? It's so, um, it's it's a little different. Basically, mm-hmm. the the way I jumped into this, um, and it's it's loose, so we'll see how this plays out long term. Right. But the way I jumped into this was, um, we you know we wanted to make a kind of proof of concept, but I didn't want to make a shortened version of my feature script or take scenes from it or anything. I wanted to you know make something related and tonally mm-hmm. similar. Um, but basically the way I jumped off was I was like, these, these characters are more or less the parents from the feature. Gotcha. Um, and I was like, what if like, I, you know, they met, I, you know, I knew they met in college. I knew mm-hmm. kind of how their relationship played out. And I was like, what if I find this little story right. in their like early relationship that um, like also feels like horror. Mm-hmm. And like, what if, you know, I, find that like you know think that the horrible things mm-hmm. horrific things that happened to the protagonist in strawberry summer the feature what if there were equally horrific things that happened to her mother mm-hmm. you know a, a generation earlier gotcha. um and so that you know that was my jumping off point and i think from there i didn't really like as i was working on it i was this wasn't what was in my head the whole time mm-hmm. i really when i had my idea this was like this was its own film mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's also, you know, it's um it's the same genre. Mm-hmm. It tackles the same themes. I think it's tonally quite similar. Mm-hmm. Visually there's definitely gonna be a lot of overlap. Um 
But I did just want to make something with the rat that existed on its own right. and just kind of stood as its own story and its own merits. Very cool. Well, that's all the time we have. But thank you for coming today. Thank you. Yeah, have a great rest of your fest. I will. You too.